Hello, and welcome to the Cultivated by Karen show. I'm your host, Karen Antonini. This show is a blend of culture, cuisine, and comfort. So if you're interested in exploring culinary and cultural experiences, learning about people whose love for food and drink have inspired enterprises, and discovering a few new recipes, you've come to the right place. Ciao, Chef Max. Welcome to the show. We had such an amazing conversation last July in Campo dei Fiori about the history of Italian food and current trends that I thought we should really share it with others and not just keep it to ourselves. But I'd like to start from the beginning to see where your love for food first started and then work our way from there to where you are today. So let's start with Little Chef Max. You told me something that I loved, that your first toys were kitchen tools. Tell me about that experience as a young child in the kitchen. Buongiorno, buongiorno, everybody. Okay, well, yeah, let's say that I didn't have many choices because I, I was just born in a restaurant, you know, among uh, kitchen tools and chefs and waiters. My parents always uh, been in the restaurant business here in Italy and also in America. Uh, I, I grew up... Uh, always putting my hands on something, like I always wanted to do something, looking at the big guys cooking. I'm, I was like, yeah, one day I want to be there behind the stoves and, you know, cooking and saute things and do all that. And at the end, I achieved my goals. And I've been doing this uh, basically since I was born so far. So I grew up doing this. Uh, I grew up working with different chefs, several chefs here in Italy and Rome all the, 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 the panorama of the also gourmet chefs here in Rome. I took a little bit of everything from everybody. And at the end, I developed my own style. I love the Italian traditional cuisine. I think it's the, the best, the most classic, the most, uh, the most interesting also, because there's so many recipes, a lot of recipes. Whenever you go, you find something new. It's always uh, discovering something new, only here in Italy, yeah? town to town. You always find something new to learn and it's, you never stop learning. That's how it is. <laughs> That's, that is true. That's true. And what we discussed last July was really fascinating about the history of food culture in, in Italy and how the different, the different cultures over the years really influenced your cuisine. Can you share a little bit, a bit about that with us today? Right. You said right. Actually, Italy is in a very stra strategic position. It's uh, between Europe, Africa and Middle East. So through the years, we've been, especially Sicily, where I'm originally from, where my family is originally from, we've been uh, through many dominations, the Spanish, the Arabs, the Greeks, even the Normans uh, have been into Sicily. And everybody left something. Uh, definitely the biggest uh, print uh, uh, was left by the Arabs. Under the Arab domination, they brought the pistachios. And today we grow probably the best pistachios in the world, pistachios di Bronte, right, right below the mountain Etna, the volcano Etna. Pistachio Bronte, they call it the green gold because it's very precious and very expensive, but the quality is like supreme. Uh, the almonds, the saffron, uh, the first sugar, each area according to the domination they had developed his own cuisine. Here in Rome, for example, it's mostly based on the Romano cheese, the Pecorino sheep milk cheese, 
the guanciale, which is a kind of pancera, but it's not a pancera. I always say that to my customers. That is the pork cheek. And unfortunately, for what I've seen, it's kind of hard to find in America. But if you can find the real uh, guanciale and make a carbonara, a matriciana with that, will make the difference, believe it or not. Up in North, uh, different story, more German, uh, French influence. Uh, so they use more butter, for example, than olive oil. They have uh, their masters in risotti because in the Milano suburb, uh, there's a lot of the swamp where they grow the rice, Italian type of rice like uh, um, carnaroli, arborio, many different kinds of rices up there. The masters in risotto in polenta, the cornmeal, no, the polenta with the gorgonzola, with the radicchio. It's all made, the traditional cuisine, it's all made with traditional and local ingredients. Just to give an example, Parmigiano cheese, which is the king of the cheeses today in Italy and probably in the world, was not as popular as today up until 30 years ago here in Rome or in Sicily. Only in the last uh, 30, at the most 40 years, we start using Parmigiano in our recipes. So just to give an idea how it is over here. The Italians are so good at maintaining their their food culture, their heritage by, through the generations, by passing down their recipes through the different generations. So they're preserving their past and also helping the future. So uh, tell me about, you were talking about how the, the fishing villages were passing along their recipes throughout history as well. Absolutely. We are so proud of our culture and our cuisine. And we get really mad when we see like uh, crazy things, stereotypes about the Italian cuisine and the rest of the world. But unfortunately, we understand that, you know, not everybody can make authentic Italian food, uh, especially when you don't have the, the main ingredients, uh, the same ingredients. And also you have to, in other countries, uh, we all have a different palate, you know, like in America, for example, you guys want dips uh, you like sauces you want to dip everything so you have to make the italian food according to the local palate let's put it that way uh yes here uh there's uh, uh factories there's uh vineyards that they've been passing from generation to generation and they carry on their family uh tradition same thing with the olive oil Many restaurants, many restaurants are like that. They've been here. There's restaurants in Rome from the beginning of 1900, and they'll still cook the same dishes. An example is uh, uh, the Alfredo, Fettuccine Alfredo, no? The Alfredo restaurant, uh, not so far from here in Piazza Navona, where I am at this moment, they've been cooking the same Fettuccine Alfredo since right after the World War. Alfredo, the, the word Alfredo doesn't exist in Italy. If you say Alfredo, they think you might call somebody. There's not such a thing like an Alfredo sauce. The Alfredo sauce is something that here we call burro e parmigiano. So it's basically butter and parmesan. The legend says that the first owner, the one that opened the restaurant, uh, made this dish for his wife, which was uh, pregnant. She always had nausea all the time. So the only dish, the only meal she can have without getting nausea was the fresh fettuccine, fresh pasta, which was very popular back then. All the restaurants, there were not many um, pre-packed uh, products. Everything was homemade. And this guy was making these fettuccine Alfredo and he had a little butter and Parmesan and tossed this pasta to make the butter and the Parmigiano melt together, make a white cream. 
So this guy was feeding his wife uh, most of the times with this fettuccine Alfredo. What happened is that uh, an actor or a journalist from America was here in Rome. He stopped at the restaurant. He saw this lady, pregnant lady, eating these fettuccine. And he was like, uh, can I have uh, the same the same pasta. So they served it to this guy and he was amazed because it's actually very rich, very tasty. Parmigiano, uh, whatever you put Parmigiano adds flavor to it. It's a kind of like umami. You know, today we, we, we talk a lot about the umami, you know, same right. thing for them. These ingredients are very umami. It's like the fifth uh, flavor will, will give flavor to anything. So the guy fell in love for this pasta, but of course the owner didn't give him the, the recipe. So he saw the white creamy figure that was, Cream, heavy cream. So when he went back to America, he tried to make make the same thing. But of course, was it solid? So you got to have some garlic in it. So he added a little garlic in it and then some black pepper. And then about, wait a minute, there's no protein in it, which is not true because the cheese and the butter really has a lot of protein. Well, let's put some real chicken in it, but there's no veggies in it. Let's put some broccoli. And that's how you ended up eating the fettuccine Alfredo American style as you have it today. Uh- Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Taking what they think they know, looking at what ingredients we have here, I think maybe it's known as pasta bianca or something. But that's not a recipe. That's something that we give to people where they don't feel really well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's something that you give to somebody that wants to eat something very light. You know, it's, it's not actually a real recipe, let's put it that way. <laughs> Yes. Well, you've had experience working in the United States as well. So I'm sure you saw a lot of this in the restaurants cooking Italian-American food. And I'm sure that it must have been so different for you trying to cook that way. It is. It, it, it was. Uh, but I'm not uh, one of those picky chefs uh, that throw things, slam things. I mean, you have to eat it. You eat it your way. I just tell you and teach you how to make it in the Italian way. Same thing like the cappuccino, no? Like we don't drink cappuccino. I'm sure whoever's been to Italy, they've seen that we don't drink cappuccino during the, the meal. We drink cappuccino in the morning. There's no such a thing like milk and coffee with a marinara sauce spaghetti. It's like, uh, that's a match really good, you know? But then yeah. again, you know, you eat it, you eat it away, but it's not the way it should be. And that's what you're teaching at, at In Rome Cooking at the cooking school where I've been, I think, four or five times over the last two years. It's, it's I highly recommend the school. Um, of course, I met you, Chef Max, and, and other chefs. But can you tell us a little bit about the current direction of Italian cuisine? You said that had changed. It's going back to more basic, simple, uh, traditional Italian cuisine, which you're cooking there as well. Yes. Well, in the, back in the 80s and the 90s, uh, we had a little influence from the French cuisine because uh, the French are really good in merchandise and, and, and advertise their products. Okay. So we had this influence from, from up there over the Alps uh, and we start uh, using a lot of butter and cream as well. I'm talking about in the restaurants. At home, everybody was still cooking kind of traditional, but of course you had the uh, cream they, they were using more cream today for example cream is almost forbidden when you make something you say can we put a little cream in it no don't put cream in it no i don't like the stuff so then what happened is that we start being proud of our cuisine and we have a, a, a such a huge background that we were like why should we import 
recipes or ingredients from somewhere else. Uh, our background, it's, it's so delicious. We have so many recipes. Uh, let's start focusing on our this traditional cuisine and that's how everything started so at the beginning of 2000 more and more restaurants start serving traditional dishes and they were focusing and studying and try to get like very old recipes of course uh, at the same time even the gourmet movement started so then you had the, the trend because in the, in the in restaurants it's all about trend you know it's like fashion this year is very popular this ingredient for example so and they start serving like that and we still carry on this trend and i hope that we keep it for forever because uh, it's history it's our identity it's how we grew up with and i really hope it's going to stay like this for a few more years it is so interesting because some of the the most traditional and oldest foods or like polenta i mean the things that have been in italy the longest you're turning back to that is the most basic simple and people have such a taste for that i i think i read where even carbonara was maybe created out of world war ii when there are only so many ingredients that one had at the time. And that's sort of the beauty of Italian cuisine, where they really emphasize just the fresh, fresh produce and less complicated and intricate preparations. Yes, main ingredient here in Italy is quality. And actually, in the in the last years, uh, we've been really caring about local products, even the flour when we cook, uh, we try to get like a local meal flour, uh, that type of wheat uh, instead of, uh, you know what I mean? Like very local, very traditional and very natural. I don't want to say GMO is forbidden, but kind of like uh, there's no GMOs. Uh, uh, wheat, very seasonal and very local, also to support the local economy, no? all the local farmers and, and shepherds. So, yes, we've been focusing on that a lot. Yeah, that's true. So uh, we're going to take a very quick break. I am here talking with Chef Max at In Rome Cooking School. He's currently there. He, you can find him at, at massimo.tripoli or at In Rome Cooking or inromecooking.com. I'm Karen Antonini, your host of Cultivated by Karen Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And Chef Max is going to share an amazing risotto recipe with us. Would you like to host your own radio program or podcast? Park City Productions 06604 is a Bridgeport, Connecticut-based radio broadcast solutions company. Follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's Park City Productions 06604. Call us at 203-522-8801. Okay, we are back with Chef Max and In Rome Cooking School. He's currently there getting ready for another amazing class. I am Karen Antonini, your host of Cultivated by Karen Show. And I wanted to talk a little bit about how Italians prepare for a meal. You go to the market and not the, not the supermarket. What do you do, Chef Max? Well, here in Italy, it's very popular to go to the market, like um, a local market, and buy whatever it is in season. The way we cook here, the way we make our meals is like, okay, let's go to the market. Oh, look at these nice broccoli. They start, 
these are the first broccoli of the season. So what we do, we just buy them. And then when we get home, we think about how to cook them. You can make pasta with it. You can make a frittata. You can just steam them. You can saute them. You can make it as a diet, a side dish. So we always start from that. When whatever is in season, whatever inspires us the most, we buy it, you know? And, and it's also nice to, to cook that way because then uh, you don't eat cherries for the whole winter. So the first cherries, for example, I just say cherries, for example, the first cherries in, in March, April, it's like nice to have something after six months. You know what I mean? So it's also enjoyable the fact that you don't eat the sun product. First of all, because the quality, the taste is not the same. When you buy something that is not in season and it's probably coming from South Africa, South America, and they pick it when it's green, it will get ripe on the on the trip, but it's not going to taste the same. It's not going to be as good. So we like to cook it that way. We like to make our meals that way. Right now, you start to have the first cabbages, the first cauliflowers, the first pumpkins. We have our pumpkins here, our squashes here. And, you know, it's nice to go to the market. Oh, look at that. We check the cut where it's cut, if it's fresh and not, not too dry. We pop it a little bit. We touch a little bit to see if it's nice and hard and not mushy. Yeah, yeah, like, let's take it. Then, then I think about how to cook it. For now, let me take it. I like it, you know. It's the first, uh, the first pumpkin of the season. Let's, let's buy. And then we think, we figure how to cook it. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is. That's so much more. It, it makes so much sense. There's so many books about cooking seasonally. And it just makes sense because like you said, with the cherries, you're ready after winter for something different. Just it changes everything up. And I think it's uh, your, your mouth is ready <laughs> to taste new flavors. And, and when everything's fresh, it just tastes so much better. So I would love to run through your risotto recipe uh, before we go. I wanted to hear this risotto recipe. You can share with everyone the basis for risotto? It's very simple. A risotto is the base. Of course, you can make risotto with anything. You can make it with uh, butternut squash. You can make it with saffron, Milanese style, Milan style, especially with the osobuco. That's the very traditional Milan uh, recipe. First of all, you have to get the right rice, okay? You have to pick the right rice. Uh, Carnaroli is one of the most popular here in Italy because as a short thick grain and it's very starchy so it's very important that you get a starchy rice because when you make the cream the white cream in the risotto you don't use any heavy cream at all that cream has to come fully from the starch okay and it's different because when you put cream in it even the aftertaste you can you can feel your palate is kind of like greasy no when you make the risotto in the italian way with just the starch there's no much fat in it. Uh, what I do with the, with the risotto, first thing you want to do is toast the rice. So you get a pot or a pan, you dump the rice in it, a uh, low heat, and you toast the rice. Why you want to do that? Because in that way, you seal the grain of the rice. And when you cook it, it doesn't fall apart. Okay, so that will maintain the grain nice and, and at the same shape without falling apart without dissolving okay so you toast that and you put it on the side then you make a nice uh, sofrito with onion don't let the onion get brown okay you just want to caramelize a little bit and then you throw the rice in it okay you throw the rice in it when it's nice and hot boom go with a 
glass or half glass of white wine, depends how much risotto you're making. And that is the base. You let the alcohol evaporate, you smell it. You can tell when the alcohol evaporated because it's not so acid. The smell is not so sour and acid anymore. Then you keep going with the veggie stock. I suggest you to make your own veggie stock. We're talking about an onion, a carrot, a little celery. You can put a garlic clove in it. You can put some parsley in it. And you have to pre-made the, the veggie stock, of course. And you keep adding a little bit at a time. For the saffron risotto, for example, you can just add the saffron almost at the end. If you want to make it with, uh, I don't know, zucchini and mint or radicchio and gorgonzola, I usually, I'm rather saute the veggies on the side and put it in. When you cook the veggies, better to cook the veggies on their own. So the flavor doesn't mix with other ingredients. You know, you keep more the, 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 the flavor of whatever you, you, you're cooking. At the very end, when the risotto is still nice al dente, because remember, you always want even the risotto, not only the pasta, nice and al dente. No mushy things, okay? Not overcooked things. <laughs> We're very picky about that. Very, that's very important for us. Flame off, heat off, you add a little bit of butter, some parmigiano, and you start tossing, tossing, tossing the risotto. The more you shake the pan, the more air you incorporate in it, and the creamer the risotto is going to be. That's basically it. Nice and, and creamy. And, and I mean, it's, it's delicious. Risotto is delicious that way. Thank you so much, Chef Max. It's so wonderful having you here today. I know you've got a class waiting for you, so we're going to let you go. But I really appreciate your time and look forward to seeing you again. Grazie. I hope we're going to get more chances to, to share more recipes and more uh, little secrets about the Italian cuisine with you guys. <laughs> Absolutely. We look forward to that. Thank you so much. Grazie. Grazie a te. Thank you, friends and fellow food aficionados, for joining us today. I'd like to thank my producer, John Iannuzzi, Park City Productions. See you next time for more culture, cuisine, and comfort.